When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Purdue, and I just told her I meditated, and she said uh, she really has to start. And is it that good? Meditation has hands down been the most instrumental tool to any success I've ever had, any goals I've ever achieved, any trauma I've ever overcome, any personal changes I've ever realized I needed to make and then executed. It you do it every day like a workout. Some are going to be better than others. Some you're going to have a real good runner's high. Other days you're going to be like, I just slogged through that. And then it takes three weeks of slogging through it. And you're like, what am I even doing? But then you, you know, and then if you take some time off of exercising and get back into it and you realize, oh, wow, I didn't realize just how much my baseline was elevated. And when I take time off from meditating, you never really realize it. You're like, oh, I'm fine. I don't need to bet that I'm fine. You're like, yeah, yeah, peace, love, universe, okay. But then maybe you take a week off or two weeks off and either you'll kind of hit a breaking, for me, you kind of hit a breaking point of just like stressed and anxious and your mind, you're jumping from pleasure to pleasure, food, sex, alcohol, sleep, video games, shower, and you're always grabbing, 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 grabbing. And then you'll sit down and meditate or it won't be anything negative. One day you'll just be like, Ash, ah, probably get back into it. And you'll have one like I just did today. That reminds me why I started meditating because you finish and it's like, it's like taking off shoes that are too tight. It's like being kind of frozen and like moving your body and like all the ice breaks off of you. And as Terrence McKenna said, stresses and anxieties fall off you like water beating up off a duck's back and like uh like hygiene it lasts for a little while so you got to do it every day and so that's what i would say meditate i've been trying to get my mom into it i've i've been trying to get everyone into it forever and you wonder well, how does meditation help you get into med school how does it help you lose weight how does it help you start a pot you can't explain it until you do it. And then you can't explain love to someone until they have that puppy love experience. And they're like, ah, there it is. You can't explain loss to someone until you, you bury a family member. And you're like, all right, there it is. If you just do it, I mean, it just, it centers you. It really, in a way that's indescribable and even, I don't just mean to, oh, you're the layman who's never meditated. I mean, tomorrow morning, before I meditate, I won't understand what I'm talking about right now. I'll be like, yeah, 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 meditation, yes, you're fine, whatever. Every day you do it, you're like, oh, this is, you can wake up from a dream. The very next night when you're in a dream, you're not like, oh, this is a dream. No, you're right back doing the thing, running from whatever. Last night I had a dream that... I like robbed a 7-Eleven and I was like, why did I do that? I'm going to go to jail now. I have a great life. And I woke up and I was like, thank God, that's a dream. Does that mean that I'm never going to have a dream like that again? I'll probably have one a night because I'm an anxious person and I'll have 80 trillion more. And every morning you wake up. So that's my spiel for meditation. If anyone ever tries to sell you something on meditation, it's BS. Don't Meditation requires no purchase of anything. If anyone says this is the way to meditate, it's BS. Just figure out on your own. Maybe you follow your breath. Maybe you do a mantra. Maybe you focus inwards. Maybe you whatever. But that is my five-minute spiel on meditation. It's, it's, I would recommend it to anyone and everyone. If, if I don't get enough sleep, that's one thing. I can go through a podcast. I have to meditate. Maybe one day I don't get in a workout. All right. I have to meditate. Maybe one week I don't knock out an audiobook like I do every week. That's fine. Up on Christmas break, visiting my parents, 
I'm not dieting. I'm not exercising. I'm not sleeping enough. I'm being lazy, watching movies all day, you know, building fires, whatever. One thing I still do every day is meditate. It just, just focuses everything. It's like it's like glasses for your soul. You put them on <gasps> and you're like, you're like, oh, I can see everything again. You're like, oh, yeah. And if you lose your glasses, you're like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. You're squinting. You're looking around. And then you find them again one day and you're like, oh, wow, the leaves really are pretty. So enough of my ranting. Miss Mitzi Purdue, for all the new listeners, please introduce yourself. All right. I'm Mitzi Purdue. Uh, I've declared myself uh, Tommy's honorary grandmother. I mean, you, you need an 80-year-old in your life to dispute wisdom. And, um, you know, I'm here to do it. Um, my, I guess my claim to fame is I was, I'm Frank Perdue's widow, the chicken guy. And then my late father was the co-founder and president of the Sheraton Hotels. So I have a lifetime fascination with success. And to introduce myself in a way that you wouldn't know, Tommy, I have another claim to fame. I'm working on a biography of Mark Victor Hansen, the chicken soup for the soul guy. Yeah. <laughs> Going so well. Oh, and I mentioned that um, I'm, you know, my two claims to fame, two famous people, but Mark Victor Hansen is kind of satisfying a lifelong fascination I have with what makes people a success. So my father clearly was, my late husband clearly was. Mark Victor Hansen, for those who don't know, his series, of which he was a co author, Chicken Soup for the Soul has sold half a billion books. Half a billion. I mean, I when I write a book, I'm feeling really good when I, I somehow regularly sell about 5,000. Can you imagine 500 million? No, I can't wrap my head around that. Okay, then he's also had 57 books on the bestseller list on the New York Times, 57 different titles, and... Something else he's in the Guinness Book of World's Records for. Nobody else has ever had seven books on the New York Times bestseller list at the same time. Good Lord. Okay, so how does somebody achieve that kind of unbelievable, magnificent, overwhelming, just hard-to-process amount of success? And the book that I'm writing, I have an approach for it. And you've heard of gamification, where you kind of make things fun. Do you what, what turn gamification, turning things into games? Okay. All right. My approach to this book, and I'm about a third of the way through it, is I want. I'm writing it almost like a mystery story, and the the theme of it is, or the mystery of it is, who is this guy? Who, who's this guy who can you know? be in the Guinness Book of World's Records over and over again. And by the way, just one fairly easily met, understood, fairly easily understood metric of his success, this man gets a quarter of a million dollars if he gives on if he gives a three-day seminar. Can you imagine being paid a quarter of a million dollars for three days of your time? Mitzi, you, for me, it's a... I relax on Thursday. Sorry to interrupt. I take, I always take two days off a week, and I ball out of control. I'll spend thirty dollars on breadsticks and twenty bucks on some beer, and I'm like, can't stop me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, so that this is the guy that I'm writing about, and the the I'm writing it like a mystery story. And the mystery story is, you know, he has a public persona. You know, I would guess that millions of people have watched him on YouTube. Hundreds of millions have his books. Who's the guy behind the public persona? And the mystery is, is he just the world's greatest promoter? Is he sort of like the guy in The Music Man who was this shady promoter who was selling people stuff they didn't need? Or is he St. Mark, his name being Mark Victor? Hanson. So like St. Mark from the Bible. So which is he? Uh, a flimflam man? A, a promoter on a scale that just the world has seldom seen? Or is he St. Mark? And 
the mystery of it is I have people on both sides. I've, I've interviewed close to 100 people now. And I'm not going to come to the conclusion. Actually, I think I know which way it's going until the end. But I sort of drop clues along the way. But then I mentioned that this has to do with gamification, where you're turning things into a game. Well, part of the game is the mystery. Who is this guy? How did he do it? But then another part, sort of the, you know, in, in a game, you have little rewards along the way. I have what I call pro tips, as in professionally t- professional tips. And I tell some of the things that he did uh, that other people could copy. Cool? Can you share some? Or is that a uh, book? If, no, if, if you're nice to me, I will. I'm very nice. I, I, I feel like I've built up a, a nice allowance. Oh, okay. Can I, then can I cash it. in some nice tokens? Yeah, here, here they come. Right. Uh, let's see, like one of them. His view is that it's a lot more important to be on fire with something than to have expertise. And he gives us an example of this. Mark Victor Hansen started making money from a very, very young age. And like when he, he was in his teens, which was during the time that the Beatles came, the music band, the Beatles came, or the rock band, rather, came to America. It was 1964. I think it was 1964. It could have been 63. Yeah, I, I, I think I remember it was Anyway, around then, he's 16 years old. He watches this and he thinks, that's going to be the future. I want to form a band. And he calls up like four of his friends and said, we're going to start a band. And it turns that not a single one of them is a musician. He says, that's, that's not an obstacle. We're, we are going to do it. So they got instruments Mark had never held a musical instrument in his hands before. He bought a bass guitar and in several weeks taught himself to play. His friends taught themselves to play. Within, I don't know, a couple of months, they're performing first at retirement homes and at churches. Eventually, through his promotion of his band, The Messengers, they can make four or $5,000 an evening because he'll rent a whole hall and people will come to hear him playing or him and his, and his band members playing Beatles songs or whatever was the, was you know, the, in the top 10 that week. And so he, you know, his, his classmates who aren't members of his band, now they're really feeling good if they're making a dollar an hour. He's making as much as 5,000 an evening. And what's the little, uh, tip that comes along with this it's it's what i mentioned before that being on fire is more important than what you know because he was so on fire to do this that he, he and his little friends his teenage friends taught themselves to play and then he taught himself how to be a promoter he taught himself how to um, well for example how to put ads in the local newspapers and plaster pamphlets all over your all over everywhere. So high schools that were having a high, high school dance would want to hire the messengers. So he's, he's a huge believer in enthusiasm. For that enthusiasm will just leap over endless boundaries. So you mean being on fire, not in the... Okay, when, you, when you first said that, I was thinking of like, you know, like when a basketball player will be on fire and they're just hitting every shot. But to me, I was like, that doesn't make sense because that that comes from talent. But you mean on fire, like your heart's on fire. You want to me with my laptop above my parents' garage doing three podcasts a day for a year, just screaming like, all right, just, okay, your heart's on fire. Got it. Okay. Mark Mark Victor Hansen would say you're exactly on the right road to success because enthusiasm just beats everything. Overwhelms everything. Yeah. So how do we... How did that move forward then? How does that develop? Because do you have to stay passionate about that one thing forever? Because what happens, because oftentimes that, like I've experienced it before, whether it was lifting weights in high school, basketball in middle school, pre-med in college, uh, forming that charity after my brother passed, learning graphic design, and now at the podcast. But I, I can't force it. If someone said, hey, you should really get on fire about crypto, I'd be like, I mean, I get it's the future, but I, I don't care. Like, I, I mean, I know it's a, but it's 
It's not where my heart is. I mean, space tourism is probably, you know, Elon Musk and Bezos, the two richest guys in the world, are both moving all, every, they want to move all their operations to space. Yeah, that's great. I, I don't care about orbital, orbital, orbital mechanics. So does it matter what the fire is about? Because I can't focus my fire. Someone else might look at this and go, you're having fun with the podcast. I can never bring myself to sit down in front of a camera and interview people. So I don't even know where my question is in there. But, the- that, but I don't care what your question is. I'm going to answer something right. anyway, <laughs> which is uh, Mark Victor Hansen didn't stick with it. Uh, when when it, it lasted for two years and he was making just crazy amounts of money, but they graduated from high school. They all went to different colleges and that was the end of the messengers. So what was next? Well, at the college that, that Mark attended, Buckminster Fuller, who was a student of Einstein, became his mentor. He, uh, for four years as an undergraduate, he worked for him. And then for three years in graduate school, he worked for him. And he became totally on fire with, with Bucky Fuller's, uh, Buckminster Fuller. He calls him Bucky, so I, that's going to slip in as if I knew him, Bucky Fuller. But Buckminster Fuller had... And what he really wanted to do was to make science and technology work for everyone. And one of the ways that he was going to do it was building these geodesic mm-hmm. homes uh, that would be quick to, to construct. Uh, everybody could live on them. He would make technology just work for the whole world to make the world a better place. Uh, Mark Victor Hansen was just consumed with this, you know, reading everything he could about it. Um, after he finished his, I, I don't think he actually got a graduate degree, but a, after he finished his education, he invested everything that he could into building geodesic domes. Catastrophe. Because at the point where, where he had invested everything he had, you know, time, money, energy, resources, the, the oil shock of, I think we're talking early 1970s hit, and the plastic tubing that made geodesic domes possible became prohibitively expensive because they're petroleum-based. And suddenly he found himself $2 million in debt and, and no way to, to build these things. He had to declare bankruptcy. Catastrophe, right? All right, another lesson from Mark Victor Hansen. Pick yourself up. Move on. Because this was this was... a Total personal failure. He said it was the lowest point in his life, but it also led to the best thing in his life because he began to realize, and you know, it even makes me think of you, Tommy, a bit, that surely the lowest part in your life was when you lost your brother. Well, it gave you an understanding of humanity and and the pain of life. Uh, This gave Mark Victor Hansen forevermore kind of an awareness of the vulnerability and the pain and the mistakes that we can make. And the absolute essentialness of picking yourself and moving up and going onward. And uh, he was at a point where he was thinking of ending his life. You know, he had let his friends down, his parents down, his investors down. It was just the lowest. And at that point, a friend of his said, uh, I want you to hear this minister in Harlem. His name is Reverend Ike. And Reverend Ike, you know, it's, it's strange how how things together come together at the right moment. But in Mark's case, he felt that although Reverend Ike had an audience of 2,000 people, he felt as if Reverend Ike was just speaking right to him, saying, uh, pick yourself up, move on. Uh, life can be better. Let your thoughts be positive. Don't just drown in all the negativity of you know, what the news is telling you, because the news at the time of the oil crisis, every bit of it was just, you know, dragging you down further and further in his life worth living. Reverend Ike, his view was, you make your reality. And if, if your reality is it's not worth living, well, maybe it's not. If, you're, if your reality, if your mind is telling you, everybody hates me, I've let them all down, that's how it's going to be. But he left... He left the church that day thinking, I control my thoughts. It's up to me. 
I'm going to pick myself back up. And lo and behold, it worked. It worked so much that his energy began to come back. He, for the next seven years, he attended Reverend Ike's sermons, you know, probably one of the few white people or Caucasian people in the church. And it began to occur to him, you know, if words could make so much difference to my life, wonder if, wonder if what I'm learning could help others. I want to be a public speaker. And the next thing he knew, another really fortuitous thing happened. He had, he had, I think he had four roommates at that point. And he was kind of living hand to mouth, you know, doing chores here and there just to get money to pay his small share of the rent. But a friend of his had an extra ticket to hear an inspirational speaker. And he said, Mark, come on, gotta come. And Mark had nothing better to do and went to hear somebody whose profession was public speaker. And suddenly the light just dawned on Mark Victor Hansen. This is what I want to do. I want to take all the pain and misery from my failures and maybe some of the lessons from some of my successes. And I want to be a public speaker. He went to hear the, the guy talk. The guy was just absolutely terrific. Mark went up to him afterwards and said, I want to do what you do. I want to be a public speaker. And the guy said, good luck with that. Your chances of making a living at it is like less than one in a thousand. And Mark said, but this is what I want to do. I, I feel a calling. I feel as if, you know, he's probably 27 at this point. I feel as if everything that I've learned up to now has come together in this one thing. I want to be a public speaker. Well, the guy took sympathy on the young man, the, uh, the seasoned speaker, and said, Okay, uh, I'll tell you some places where you can speak where I can't. We are just at the time. And Mark began for that year giving three speeches a day for an entire year. And if you practice something for three times a day for an entire year, boy, you've learned a lot of what works and what doesn't work, how to connect, or that's not working, bail. And, you know, by the end... Um, that is what he stuck with for, for the rest of his life from then on, communications. But, you know, again, a lesson. In his case, it was find a mentor, find somebody who inspires you, find somebody that, that makes you see kind of a bigger picture of what you could be. And in his case, he found that person in Reverend Ike. But then I kind of think that he's transcended his initial mentor mm-hmm. and yeah, some people call him now mentor to the world. It does seem like I'm a, I think back to meditation, that's why I'm such a big fan of it is, I mean, it sounds like one of those cheesy motivational posters, but it's like, it's not about what's happening. It's about how you react to it. And, you know, you can, I don't know, it's, it's January 19th right now. You can... You know, I wake up and go to the gym and it's it's cold out. There's still not a whole, a whole lot of sunlight in the day. And you can go, oh, it's a, snow, it's a snowy day. It's cold. It's freezing. I don't want to do it. Or you can look at it as just like, I look at it, I'm like, all right, first two hours of the day are going to suck. Get up, go to the gym, get on the treadmill, do the weights. As I'm doing the weights, I mean, if there's no one else in the weight room, I mean, I would just be, I would just be swearing. It just hurts so much. And I'll, go up to the highest weight and I'll hit it and I'll be like, all right, it's downhill. Now I'm going back down to the lighter weights, finish that. And I'm like, all right, hardest part of the day is over. And I come back and I'm still freezing and I get in the shower. And then once I get dressed and do the meditation to me, I'm like, cause even meditation, it takes, it takes a minute to get into it. You don't, you never go, like working out. You never go into it. Like, let's do it. I mean, maybe once in a blue moon you do, but you know, it's like, I'm not going to want to do it until I'm on the treadmill for five or six minutes and the blood's moving and you're kind of waking up and you're like, all right, let's work out. Let's do it now. Let's get it done. It's the same thing. It's kind of like the meme, you know, I never want to get in the shower and I never want to get out of the shower. But if you can just, it's just off back, dude, just take a shower, just shave, just, just, just lather your hair, just get in the shower. You always feel immediately better. You feel clean, you feel better. So to me, I look at like workouts or dieting or cold morning which isn't really a good analogy because i love the cold but even okay we'll say what 
Oh, I'm interrupting. Bad Mitzi, but I started, so I'm going to keep right, on. Go for it. Okay. You, uh, one of the many influences you and your, your guests have had on me, but this is, this is particularly you. Remember once you say that you keep your room at, is it 55, 57? It's 58 right now. I'll turn it down to like 55 in the summer at night, but I do 58. Okay. Uh, but you, you, you also said that you, you didn't just get used to it. You, you crave it. So I've been trying that. Uh, and like right now, I think the room's probably about 60, but I can perfectly happily and contentedly be at 57. I stop wearing a coat when I go out, like um, like this morning, January 19th. It was fairly cold when I was out there, and there was a fairly stiff wind. It's probably 25, but I'm thinking, uh, you know, my mental attitude is, aren't I lucky? It's winter. I get to enjoy this yeah. cold. And, and, and you know, I, I have friends who say, where's your coat? Did you forget it? No. No, it's because I'm enjoying it. Or even taking a cold shower. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that for years because I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, thermal resilience. Oh, yeah. Have, have, have you come across that thought? I I do cold showers. I did them in college, stopped for several years, and I started uh, last year or so. And like in college, I stop around Thanksgiving and I resume in like February because I get a little too cold. So I'm not doing them right now. But for about I am. Months, I'm better than you. Well, you are. You are stronger better. than me. But for about nine <laughs> months a year, I do do the cold shower and the first 30 seconds suck. But you come out of it afterwards. Not only will you get used to it, you're not even thinking about it. When you come out of it, though, I mean, it feels like there's electricity coming off of your body. You're just it's like a workout. You're just clear you're sharp you're everything and to me it's like one less it's kind of like the lack of meditation i don't want to get out of bed and then you get out of bed and you're like, okay i want to eat and then you eat and you're all out of food now i'm getting a hot shower you don't want to get out of the hot shower and then you, the hot water starts to go away you know you're constantly having the rug pulled out from under you versus you can either be forced or you can just lean into it wake up going to go to the gym. I don't want to do it. I go to the gym and I have my workout clothes already for tomorrow folded on the floor at the end of my bed. I wake up, put them on, immediately go. And you lean into it. And like Mark Victor Hansen, kind of changing your mindset on it, if you just make like the first two hours of your day terrible, workout, lift weights, cardio, cold shower, meditation you're like, I want to do this but you sit down and you're like all right let's do it let's set aside 30 minutes let's do it you come out of it afterwards and you're like oh I conquered that and the rest of the day is easy you gotta do a podcast want to do some groceries later whatever it's all simple and it's it is it's the shifting of the mindset and to me I, I mean I I have to do it every day or I do sink into depression but if you do shift your mind I mean, I know it sounds so cheesy, but if you just shift your mind to it and just make it a game, two hours of two hours of shit today, just get it done, just get it done, and then you finish. And I'm I'm already I already feel like my day is over. I got a podcast with you. I got another podcast after this. And I'm like I'm like it's over. I already beat the thing. I beat the game. I'm the chess master now. I'm just running at the clock. I'm like yeah, gonna play some video games with my friends later. Take a hot shower, eat some dinner, and I'm gonna go to bed. And it's gonna be awesome. And I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and I'm gonna tell myself two hours of shit. I just got two hours of shit. And then there's a meta to it. I have five days of shit. Excuse my French. I have five days of shit. I take two days off a, a week. I'm all week. I'm like, just gotta get to Thursday. Just gotta get to Thursday. No more broccoli and chicken breadsticks, ranch dressing, just total fat. I'm like, let's do it. And it's great. No workouts, sleeping in, no meditation, hot showers, no dieting. Let's do it. And then even then, you might think, well, that that sucks because once those two days of fun are over, you're probably going, I don't want to get back into this. I don't want. But I find if you cave and actually give in and have fun those two days, the first 24 hours, you're like, oh, I got it out of my system. You're like, I needed that. The next 24 hours, by the time the second day is over, you're like, man, this French dressing doesn't taste so good anymore. Like, dude, I'm kind of hungover. I don't, I don't know if I want another beer. And I'll force myself to be like, no, you're having some beers tonight. I will wake up on Sunday and go, I am so ready. 
I'm not even kidding. I wake up and I'm like, let's work out. Let's diet, cold showers. I want broccoli. I want multivitamins. I want to listen to audio. That's another thing. I listen to an audio book a week. I want audio books on 2x speed. I'm going to send emails. I'm going to get guests. Let's crush it. Let's grow the podcast. I keep metrics of everything. So it's a game. I'm like more subscribers. We're getting more views. And then it's just, it's the whole other meta theme. By day two, you're like, only four more days of this, and that's back to breadsticks. And you might be asking yourself, well, where, where is there ever peace? If all week you're going, I want breadsticks and beer, and then after you've had breadsticks and beer, you're going, I feel sick, I feel fat, I just want to start dieting again. Where's Where do you ever find the peace? You wake up, I just want to get this workout over so I can play video games. By the time you're finished video games, you're like, I need to go to bed, I have stuff to do tomorrow. Where's the peace? Are you not just jumping from thing to thing? Warm bed, food, hot shower. You have to zoom out further. Well, what am I actually doing? There's a much greater meta theme. Every week I've managed to, because I gained a lot of weight after my brother died and I put off losing it for years, I've lost about 25 pounds since October. And it's because every week I can manage to just shave off a pound. I probably shave off two pounds, then I gain a pound of breadsticks and beer. Net is one pound gone. At the end of every week, it's not, it's not nullified. I have six or seven more podcasts in the library. I have that many more guests. I have that many more viewers. It's just, you know, the subscribers are slowly moving up. There's more and more people, more unique viewers, more unique audience, more unique visitors. And this thing is growing and growing and growing. So it may look like you're just treading water. Work all week, take a break. And when you're working, you can only think about the break. And when you're taking the break, you can only think about working. It's actually much different, though. Just like when you're pedaling a bike, you're going down and then oh, you're going up and then you're going down and then it's coming up. Well, the whole bike is moving. So if you zoom out, not from the morning, two hours and then kind of the rest of the day is easy or five days of work and then two days off. If you zoom out much further, so what the podcast is about 25 months old now. Well, what's the zoomed out picture? If you look at that one, if you look at one week, you can never see anything moving. You're like, what are you just, what are you doing? You're just jumping from thing to thing, back, forth, back, forth. Once you're black, you want white. Once you're white, you want black. But if you zoom out, I mean, this is episode 672. I've interviewed some incredible guests. I've had on multiple guys now running for Senate, running for Congress or House of Representatives. I've had a Malone and McCullough multiple times each multiple months before they were ever on Rogan. I've had on some huge guests that Rogan still hasn't had on. Guys that walked on the moon, head of NASA JPL, sending the rovers to Mars, Mike Durant. And still, you never once see it, but what? You go from a laptop to a computer, to a webcam, to a better camera, to a better microphone, to a backdrop, to, you know, sound panels that you can't see, to better lighting, to I think I'm getting better despite this episode, swearing less, getting better, getting more, trying to ramble less despite the fact I'm rambling now but there is this sort of bigger meta picture and if you can just find your own little cycle of work five day, five steps forward two steps back every day I do two hours forward and then like one hour back but if you can just find that kind of rhythm there is a net growth you never want it to void itself out entirely otherwise you're truly doing nothing but if you can just Tip it each week into two steps forward, one step back, and then turn it into a game. Next thing you know, it's been a week, a month, a year, two years, and you're looking around going, how did we get to episode six? The first episode you were on was 211, I think. We're over triple that. And I'm sure in a year I'll look back and go, I can't believe I interviewed so-and-so. I can't believe I have this many subscribers. I can't believe I've lost this much weight now. But in a year or in five years, if I ever have the biggest podcast in the world, I guarantee you my day-to-day -day will still look like wake up, go to the gym. It's going to be two hours. I could, I could be bigger than Joe Rogan. I guarantee you I'll still be going Thursday, baby, breadsticks, pizza, ranch dressing, beer. And in that microcosm, you look like you're going nowhere. But it's like climbing a mountain. You finally look back and all of a sudden you're like looking down on like clouds and you're like, how did we do this? It's because you just kind of fall into that cycle. And so what is the purpose of this whole rant? That's the importance of meditation because every day you remind yourself, 
We're not just treading water. We're moving very slowly, like a glacier moving, moves a quarter inch a year, but give it an ice age and it will bulldoze a mountain. I don't know where I'm going with that, and I don't really know how that. But I, have, <laughs> I have a comment. Go for it. Is, all right, I, I would bet serious money that the majority of the people who tune in do it to hear your rants because they're they're Thank really you. good. Thank you. I mean, I love them. So, um, so don't, don't ever stop and don't cut them short. Okay. But what you've just been describing oh, gives me gives rise to so many thoughts. But among them a phrase that I'm fond of, we overestimate what we can do in a day and we underestimate what we can do in a year. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, looking from 20,000 feet, yeah, that glacier has moved. Yeah, that's, I never heard that quote. That's exactly what it is. That's- yeah, it really is. But, that, but then uh, I'm going to pull rank on you because I am, I think, I'm more than double your age and proud of it. Nonsense. Um, your, your 40th birthday is coming up. <laughs> no, I'm so proud of my age. Uh, here it is, everybody. I know. And it's going to be 81. I know. No, but uh, uh, one of the things that I've learned with age is I do everything I possibly can to enjoy the moment I'm in. So that cold shower, I think, whoa, it's bracing. Yeah, I'm not thinking, oh, it feels awful. No, I'm thinking, it's bracing. Oh, how alive I feel. And and then when I get out, even better. Or I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to do push-ups. And for years, I've done old lady push-ups, which is you're kneeling and you, you do push-ups. But YouTube has all these suggestions for how somebody who hasn't done a real push-up, how you sort of break into it. And the way you break into it is you don't, try from the floor because you can't. I know I'm I'm can personally witness the fact that with all the will in the world I can't do it. I can do the old lady push-ups, I can do 200, but a real genuine push-up can't do it. Um the YouTube suggests that like you lean against the kitchen counter and and do like hmm. a 75 degree angle push-up. Sure. And then you pick something lower and lower. And Okay, that's that's horrendous work for me. I mean, it's a strain. It's ah! but I'm thinking, I get to do this. I'm not thinking, oh God, that's hard work. No, I'm thinking, how exciting! I, you know, I'm not in a hospital bed somewhere where I can't do this. Sure. No, it's it's such a oh, I'm a lady, so I won't say it's such a fucking privilege to be doing it. <laughs> You didn't hear that, did you? Didn't you were you're aware. You can watch. You can watch the, if you're listening. You can watch this episode, and you can uh, you can lip read. But uh, <laughs> no, but, yeah, but but I've gotten so that almost everything that I do, you can define it. Well, well the Buddhists say attitude is everything. So as I'm trying to do the tenth uh, push up against, say, a bench, and it's yeah. It, feels kind of impossible and, and yeah, it hurts. And by the 10th one, oh, please let this stop. Except I'm thinking, I get to do this and I'm getting better. And so there, there are very few things in the course of a day that I'm doing that I'm not thinking, aren't I lucky? And as for walking out in the cold, uh, well, okay, here's the sin of pride, but I'm really pride, proud that I can now walk out in, in the wind when it's 30 and I'm not wearing a coat and it's not bothering me. It's, it's not worse. It's probably better than being in the cold shower. Absolutely. And by the way, that's partly because of adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more brown fat you develop, the more thermal resistance you have, the less it bothers you. Yeah. It's- but, but, so I even rejoice in that. And I'm thinking of, I was jogging recently in New York with, with a girlfriend on the East River. And there, you know, there's plenty of wind and it's, you know, it's, it's raw and it's cold. And she was bundled up with a, with one of those, uh, I guess, I'm not sure, they're, they're kind of puffy and then scarves. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, I was just wearing like something I might wear in the summer. And she's freezing, freezing as we're jogging along and I'm feeling good. So that tells me that there really is something to thermal resilience that you can build up to it. Oh, it's 
and what you're talking about is like another part of meditation. When I remember when I started, that's why I meditated so much in college. Because if you woke up, I know I've got you for 11 more minutes. When I woke up, if I just looked at, when I wouldn't meditate, you would start to stop seeing what you can do in a year. And it would start to seem that what you had to do in a year, you had to do in today. And so, I mean, it, it would spiral. First, you'd be like, I got to study for organic chemistry and calculus. Maybe you don't go another day without meditating. You're like, oh, man. And then next in, in the spring, I got to take biochemistry. And like, I got to do well on that because that's a weed out class. And you'd start to zoom out even more. You'd be like, oh, I got to start studying for the MCAT. That's in two years. I don't even know where I'm going to go to medical school. I got to go to a good medical school because where am I going to go for residence? That's so much money. And where do I want to live? And it, it starts to pull you apart at the seams because you're looking at, you know, you're the glacier and you're looking at the mountain range. And you're going, I, I, I don't know how. But if you meditate, it comes all the way back in to be like, I just got to, I just got to study. I just got to ace these classes this semester, meditate more. So I just got to, I just got to knock out these next tests, meditate more. That's next week. Today, I just got to study OCHEM and watch, well, I'm going to study, meditate more. I'm going to study OCHEM for an hour right now. And let's just take that building block and like building a skyscraper, just put down one brick and you do it. And for me, I found out at around around the 90 minute mark, my brain would start to drift off again. I got so much to do. I got, and so I would meditate again for like 10 minutes just to not even for some like universal peace. And what is the nature of consciousness? It was just, what do I have to do today? Now I got to study calculus and you get through it. It still didn't seem like a lot, but if you stayed in that sort of blinders, that microcosm, that's when you'd look back at the end of the semester and go, did I really get a 4.0 while taking organic chemistry, calculus, physiology, and anatomy? Like, how, like how did I do that? But it's because you were focused. So to go with the exercise, I, you know, I look at how in shape I was in college. But it didn't happen in college. It happened because I worked out every day in college. I worked out every day for four years in high school. And I worked out every day starting in seventh grade. When I gained a bunch of weight and stopped exercising for several years living at home between 2016 and 2019, I'd get really amped up about losing weight and getting back in the gym and then I'd get discouraged versus about the same time I started the podcast, I got on the treadmill and I started at one miles per hour and I walk one mile every day. Every 10th of a mile, I go up by 0.1 miles an hour. So by the end of the one, you know, you start at one mile an hour, by the time you're finished, it's at two miles an hour. Okay, good. Every month, I put my starting point 0.1 miles per hour faster. Doesn't seem like a lot. At the end of the year, you're starting at two. You're starting at, right now, I'm starting at 3.5 miles an hour. And wow. In February, I'll be starting at 3.6. I In college, I used to do sets of a, sets, not just four times a day. I would do 120 push-ups. Oh. Forever. I could only do like five or 10 again. I literally started like a week ago. I do 25 every day now. And in February, I'll do 30. And it's these tiny little things that if I lose sight of the big goal, man, I used to be in so much better shape. I'm getting old. I'm never going to be able to do this again. But you meditate. Not only that, you can start to look at things that have worked. I look at the podcast. I'm like, how did we get here? We got here by just little baby steps every day. So now, I mean, I only started this last October, same thing with dieting. Now I'm down 20 something pounds. All right, keep going. Every once in a while, I'll get in my head. I'm like, I still got to lose like another 25 pounds. Let's focus on what are we doing today? All of these things. And that's what I said at the beginning of the podcast. So how does that apply to med school, or weight loss, or, or muscle gain, or the podcast? It doesn't matter what it is does not matter what it is playing baseball becoming a musician i don't know becoming a painter what meditation is is it allows you to see the big picture and go well what will happen if i do this every day for five years and then it also allows what do i have to do today and i know i cut you off but i did want to say what you talk about with being in the moment that's what meditation allows instead of i gotta go work out 
meditate and you're like, oh, we're just putting down one more brick today. Just one more brick. Don't blink. It's going to be a month. Don't blink. It's going to be a year. Don't episode 672. How do we get here? If you ask me right now, how are you going to get to episode 1000? Dude, I don't know how I'm going to get to 1000. That's so far. No, no. I'm going to go for episode 673 after this. And tomorrow, believe it or not, I'm going to go for 674. And rant again. So part of it is, is breaking things down to smaller and smaller amounts. Smallest I brought a prop for you to see. All right. And for those who are listening, I'm holding up a giant hourglass. Uh, it's about a foot tall. Uh, and it's got black sand in the top. And this is my this is my wonderful new tool for if there's a job I don't want to do, I don't mind investing an hour in something. So I tilt this hourglass upside down, and I can watch it throughout the hour, and it encourages me. And I, I, I love uh, somehow the symbolism of watching the sands of time draining away. Uh, you, you could look at it as being depressing. I look at it as being hugely energizing because it's telling me, oh, I've got an hour to get this thing done. And have you ever heard of Parkinson's Law? No. Parkinson's Law is that work expends oh. to fill the time available for its completion. Yeah. Okay. I know so, what it is. Yeah. Okay. So if, if, I have, if I have three hours to work in a job, my gosh, it's going to take three hours. But if I've got this wonderful uh, little prop here, my hourglass, and I give myself an hour to do it, then um, I don't go answer emails or make a pot of tea or uh, you know, the, the hundred little rabbit holes that can distract you. No, this uh, watching the sense of time keeps me hugely focused. That's That's another huge thing I would say. Yeah, is I purposely schedule podcasts two hours from the point that I wake up because I wake up and I'm like, I got to go to the gym. I got to shower, shave, meditate. I got to make sure Zoom's working. All the lights are on, cameras on, got to connect, got to confirm with the guest. I try to get it all. And then there's other things I do every day. Got to make sure I respond to every email, respond to every text, you know, listen to the audiobook. I try to cram everything in, in those two hours. So by the time I finish the podcast, my day is over. Some days I wake up earlier, and yeah, what normally takes two hours, what a surprise, will take me three hours. And so that's also kind of why I I do five days on. If I just work every day, I'm going to no more days off, I won't get more done. I'll just get what I normally get done in five days, but it'll take seven days. Versus if you tell yourself, Thursday night, I'm going to play some video games with my friends online, we're going to drink some beer. You're like, well, man, if I want to drink beer this weekend, if I want to eat pizza, but I also want to lose weight, I I got five days of broccoli, chicken, gym, weights. You better go to the point where it hurts because I now have five days to do this. If you give yourself those moments, another one, meditation. If I sit down and meditate an hour before a podcast... I'll spend 40 minutes just thinking about what do I got to do? What do I gotta do? And then I'll look at the clock and go like, oh my God, I focus, focus. Versus if I sit down and I go, I got 20 minutes. Well, then you get to. By the way, do you know what I was expecting we were going to talk about? I have no idea. What were we going to talk about? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to, to talk what we did talk about. Cause it, I mean, how you carve yourself up is, metaphorically speaking, where, where you give time is, is one of the most important questions there is, and we got right into it. But I'm just thinking, there was there was a plumber here, it was my house, we're repairing a, a, a leaky pipe, and we got to discussing his absolute terror where the, where the country's going. And of course, I told him that he should listen to you. Uh, I, I, I just got you one more viewer. Um, but... You know, for somebody sort of figuratively speaking in the trenches, he's telling about his friends who were getting together with the expectation of civil war. Uh, he said that he could get 20 of them in the next five minutes if, if needed. I mean, the country's in a, it, it, it's got to be close to civil war level stress fractures. 
What do you think? I thought that a lot more a year ago. Yeah. But there's a lot of meta themes to the question you just asked. And of course I asked at the last minute. I know. Yeah, I know. And I know you got to run in a minute, so I'll, I'll get it in quickly. You look at the big thing. How am I going to get to episode 1,000? How am I going to stop the country? What can you do? I know I can interview doctors that are being silenced. I know I can offer a, I can try to. Which is incredible public service. I love it. But everyone, whether the plumber or whatever, you can share online or you can talk to so-and-so or you can educate yourself or even you can just learn about history. What is China doing right now? If you go, what can the whole country do? You're going to get flabbergasted. I'll never lose weight. I'll never get to episode 100. What am I going to do? The country is your big goal. What can you do? You're one little brick. Well, I can talk to other people. Hey, do you feel this way too? Yes, so do I. Watch this podcast or watch that podcast. Or yeah, no, you're not alone. I feel that way too. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm preparing. I have my own food and water. Yeah, no, no, no. Let's keep each other. Let's, we got each other's backs. And you do that. That's how everything gets bigger. And you have, you fill the amount of work. You fill the amount of time with the work you have to do. There's never really been, there's never really been that two hour, I got a podcast in two hours, I got to, I'm in bed right now, I got to get going in two hours, I got to be worked out, meditated, showered, showered, shaved, clothed, everything. There's never really been a drive in the last, you know, not since World War II. Now people, you're waking up and you're going, I got two hours before there's civil war. You're like, what can I do? What can I do? And for someone monitoring that I'm not calling for violence, you go, what can I do? Uh, I'll, okay, I'll go get involved in the school board. I'll go, I'll, whatever, I'll run for sheriff. I'll. So to me, I have great optimism because there's a kick in the pants. It's that alarm at noon going, I got a podcast in two hours. I got a, I got a, I got a guest tomorrow. I got to crank out 10 hours of this audiobook tonight. No video games. Get offline. I got a book to listen to. Right now, everyone's going, there's inflation, there's a border crisis, there's vaccine mandates that are unconstitutional against the Nuremberg Code. Okay, okay, I got to stop with the football and the music. What can I do to help the country? So to me, I'm very optimistic. I think one, one kind of symptom is uh, people that I, that to the best of my knowledge, have never attended a school board meeting before now are. But do you know what? Oh, you I, know. I know you got to run. Yeah, I know. So, Miss Mitzi Purdue. Thank you so much. As always, I love you. You're my honorary grandmother. Thank you for chatting with me. We will, as always, do another one, and I will send you the links when this one is uploaded. And to everybody listening, as well as you, Mitzi, start meditating. There is no correct method. Sit on a pillow in a quiet room and just see where your mind goes in 20 minutes. And if it doesn't work today, do it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And in a year, you'll wonder how you ever want a day without it. Thank you. What a gift you've given me. Yes, what, ma'am. what a gift you've given all of us. Yes, ma'am. Miss Mitzi Purdue. God bless. God bless America. Stay safe, everybody. Thank you so Recording much. Recording stopped. Take care.